Hey, uh, if you've got a if you've got a Bible with you this morning, or if you've got one on your phone that you can you can open up an app to, go ahead and get to Second Peter chapter one, and uh, and then be ready to go to the book of James in just a little bit too. We're uh, we're continuing a series of messages we started uh, several weeks ago now, based on Second Peter one. 5 through 7 called supplement. And in these verses, I'm going to read these verses to you right now. And, and just what you need to know before I get to verse 5, which is where I'm going to start reading, before that, the, the apostle Peter, who was Jesus' right-hand man when, when Jesus was here on this earth, and, and, uh, and Peter is writing this from jail. And uh, he's been thrown into jail for preaching, preaching about Jesus, preaching the gospel. And, uh, and so he's writing it to a tough, and during a tough time for people who followed Jesus. And, uh, and one of the things he's telling them, before we get to verse 5, if you read it yourself this afternoon, verses 3 and 4, is uh, he talks about the fact that, that Jesus has provided for us as his followers, he's provided for us everything we need to follow him. He's provided for us everything we need to live a faithful life. And I know sometimes when you're in the midst of everyday life, you're in the midst of up and down and all that kind of stuff, you, you can begin to believe that you don't have what it takes. You don't have what you need to follow Jesus. But Peter wants to assure us that he's given us everything we need to live a faithful life. And then he says, because Jesus has done that for us, this is our responsibility. And look at verse 5 through 7. He says this, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So he tells us that, that because of what Jesus has done for us, now our responsibility is to, to make every effort to, to do all that we can to then add good things to our faith. You already have a faith in Jesus. You're following him. You've been set free from sin because of the cross. And now your responsibility as a follower of Jesus is to do something with that faith. And that is to add, to supplement your faith with these other good things like knowledge and self-control and virtue, which we've already talked about. And then what we're going to talk about today, steadfastness. We're supposed to supplement our faith with steadfastness. Now, um, I'm going to just guess here. And I'm going to guess that last week there wasn't a one of you in here that used the word steadfastness in a sentence. At no point last week did you type steadfastness in a text or type steadfastness in an email or say steadfastness. It's even a kind of hard word to say, and I practiced this week before I got up here today so I could say steadfastness, steadfastness, steadfastness. But that's as fast as I can say it because it's kind of a hard word to say. And it's an old-timey sounding word, but it means a lot of different, it means one thing that we use a lot of different words for. In fact, if you look at other places in the New Testament, you will find that this same word that here is translated steadfastness from the Greek, and other places it's translated as perseverance, which is a word that we use a little more often. It's also translated as patience, which is a word that we use a lot more often than steadfastness. It's also translated as endurance. And so that's the idea of the word steadfastness. So when Peter says we're supposed to supplement our faith with steadfastness, it's this idea of being able to endure, being able to be patient during suffering, being able to make it through difficult times. There's, a, uh, there's one translation 
which uh, of the Bible, which they just, the, the people that translated that one, they just take two of the words and put them together. And so every time it says steadfastness in that, in that scripture, what they have put in there is patient endurance. So they've, they've added patience and endurance together. And I like that translation of it. And here's why I like it. Because when I look at my own life and when I look at culture today, those are two things we don't have a whole lot of is patience or endurance. We, we don't do that very well in our, our culture today. Uh, we're definitely not patient. We expect to have something right when we want it, and we're used to having things right at our fingertips. And, uh, and then when it comes to endurance, we're not good at that either because we are kind of in a, a place where when things get difficult, we just quit and go home. I was having a conversation just last week with a friend of mine who's in construction, and uh, he was talking about how hard it is right now that, that construction in this area is kind of coming back, and there's people wanting to build stuff, but he's having a hard time finding workers. And he talked about how he's got a, a brick mason friend of his that, that uh, he had found a couple guys to, to work with him as brick mason's helpers. And one of them, on the first day, the guy shows up for work in the morning, and by lunchtime, the guy had gone home, just left, walked off the job site, got in his car, and drove home. And so he called him up, and he said, what are you doing? He said, man, that was hard. And he said, yeah, of course it's hard. You're a brick mason's helper. You tote bricks to me all day and mix up mortar. That's all you do. It's the hardest job probably on the construction site other than the guy that empties out the port john That is how hard that job is. And, and it got to lunchtime and the guy thought, I don't want to do this. It's too hard. And we kind of have that going on sometimes now in our society where we expect things to be easy. We expect our marriage to be easy. If not, we walk away from it. We expect our job to be easy. If not, we walk away from it. We expect other relationships to be easy. We expect church to be easy. If it's not easy at church, then guess what? We'll go find a bigger, brighter, better church down the street because everything over there is perfect until we get to that church and we find out it's not easy either. And so when it comes to steadfastness, when it comes to enduring patience, we, we don't do that very well in, in, in our society. So how is it then when Peter says to make every effort to supplement your faith with steadfastness, how are we supposed to do that? How, especially in light of the, the culture we live in, and, it, and especially in light of the fact that it doesn't come natural to us, how do we add steadfastness to our faith? Well, I'm going to take you off the hook a little bit because I'm going to just tell you right off the bat, you can't do it by yourself. That, that God has to do something in your heart. There's got to be a work of God going on in your heart in order for you to supplement your faith with steadfastness. And there's two verses of Scripture, two passages of Scripture I want to read you where, where it talks about that. The one, one of them is in the book of James. We're going to get there in a minute. So I told you a while ago to be ready to go to the book of James. So if you've got your Bible, go ahead to James chapter 1. But before that, I'm going to read you something from the book of Romans. Now, the Apostle Paul, who was one of Peter's friends, they knew each other. They, they, they worked together for the church of Jesus. Um, he wrote the book of, of Romans. And this is what he wrote in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, about steadfastness. He says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Now, the word there, endurance, is the exact same word that Peter translates steadfastness. And so what he says there, that if we want to supplement our faith with steadfastness, if we want to supplement our faith with endurance, guess what produces endurance? Guess what produces steadfastness? Sufferings. Now, let's go to James. Maybe James has some better news for us. James chapter 1. Verses 2 and 3 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith 
produces steadfastness. Now, is anybody other than me starting to get a little sick feeling in your stomach right now as you read those verses? Because Peter has just said to us, make every effort to supplement your faith with steadfastness. And then the Apostle Paul says, well, let me tell you where steadfastness comes from. It comes from sufferings. And then James, the brother of Jesus, says, let me tell you where steadfastness comes from. It comes from trials in your life. See, the the fact of the matter is, is that supplementing your faith with steadfastness almost always involves difficulty. Supplementing your faith with steadfastness almost always involves difficulty. I mean, just look at those three words there that are, that are in Romans 5, 3, and, and James 1, 2, and 3. The three words that we looked at, sufferings, trials, and testing. Now, there's not any of you here today that would say that you look forward to those things. There's not any of you that today are looking forward to the week and thinking to yourself, I hope I go through some suffering this week. I'm just looking forward to Monday, and I'm hoping that there's a test of my faith and there's some trials waiting for me when I get to work tomorrow morning. None of you are thinking that. And we don't pray for that, do we? No, there's, no, no, I've never once got on my knees and said, Jesus, I just would like to ask you to bring more suffering into my life because I want some steadfastness, and I know that steadfastness comes from suffering. Please bring some testing and some trials into my life, God. No, what do we pray for? We pray for the exact opposite of those things. We don't pray for suffering, trials, and testing. We pray for blessings and safe travel and good health and happiness. That's what we pray for. We pray for lots of money. And maybe maybe I'm the only one that does that. I just confess something to you. But that's what we pray for. We pray for good stuff. But what we, when we read in the Scripture, we read that if we want to have steadfastness, if we want to have that ability to persevere when things get difficult, that the way we get that is God brings that stuff into our life as we go through difficult times. Um, one of the things that, that, um, that I grew up thinking in church that's just totally a lie, and it's not, it wasn't my church's fault, it wasn't my pastor's fault, it was just my own misinterpretation of the stuff around me and the stuff I was reading in Scripture is that I believe that if you live for Jesus that everything was great. I believe that if you gave your life to Jesus that you didn't have difficulty anymore. And, and I believe that even as a teenager I believe that. And then as I got older and I started meeting people and I started reading the Bible more and I started going to church and I found out, man, the people at church, they're just as messed up as the people I went to school with. And it's just that they have a hope that things are going to get better at some point in their life. But life is difficult. Life can be tough. And when you read the Scripture, when you read Paul and you read the Gospels and you read what John wrote and you read what Peter wrote and James wrote, you find out that there is no promise that following Jesus makes you immune to suffering, that, that following Jesus makes you immune to difficulty. The promise is that if we endure that, that if we are steadfast with that, that there's a reward waiting for us on the other side. That it's not always going to be like this, but that when you endure difficulty, there is a reward waiting for you. And that, so, so here's the, the question that I have for you today. That, that we could talk about on end for a long time, but I'm just going to get to talk about it today, and I hope you'll keep listening. And that's this question. All right, so if, if suffering and trials produce steadfastness, they produce endurance, does that mean that God brings trials into our life? Is God responsible for bringing suffering into your life? 
the last time that you had the worst thing happen to you, whatever it might have been, personally, was that God up in heaven like punching a button? I'm going to zap it to Donnie Kaufman this week. Bow. See how you like that, Donnie? Is that, what that, is that how that operates? Well, the answer is kind of an a iffy answer, but the answer is not necessarily. Because I don't want to say definitely. Because one of the things we do see in the Scripture, especially in the Old Testament more than the New Testament, is we do see where God directly punishes sin sometimes. And when I say directly punishes sin, Jesus has already taken the punishment for our sin on the cross, and that those people who reject Jesus, they're going to spend an eternity receiving the punishment for their sin in hell. But there are times when God will punish people directly here on earth, and he will even punish believers sometimes directly here on earth. You see that a lot in the Old Testament with the story of the Israelites, and they were doing stupid stuff and rejecting God, and God would punish them directly. But more often than not, where the trials in our life comes from, trials in our life tend to come from our own sinful nature our own choices that we make, and the fact that we live in a world that's broken by sin. See, um, God may not bring trials, but he uses trials to test our faith. God may not bring trials, but he uses trials to test our faith. James 1, 2, and 3, let me read it to you again real quick. It says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Now, trials can be any of those kinds of things that, that, we, that, that our sinful actions bring on ourselves. Uh, for instance, if you, um, if you show up for work late every day for the next two weeks, you're going to get fired. Now, did God fire you? Did God make you get fired? No. Your sinful stupidity, I don't even know, I guess it's a sin to be late for work, but whatever it is, it's dumb one way or the other. But if you're late for work every day for two weeks, the reason you got fired is because of your consequences of your life choices, consequences of your actions. Now, that's a trial. That's a difficult thing in your life. God can then use that in your life to produce steadfastness in you. He can then use the trial to test your faith. Uh, if, if, you, if you eat a half a cheesecake every night before bed, um, you are going to eventually look in the mirror and get on a scale, and you're going to weigh five, you know, or as a friend of mine in school, you say four, 500 pounds, you go, that's how much you're going to weigh, and, and, and then one day you're going to have five bypasses. Now, did God mess up your heart? No. Cheesecake and your lack of self-control messed up your heart because you ate it every night. But, but now that's a trial in your life. But now the great thing about God is, is that he can take even the dumb things we do, even the trials that we bring on ourselves, he can then take those things and he can use that difficulty to test our faith. And through the testing of our faith, then we can then develop steadfastness, endurance, patient endurance. See, the trials in our life don't necessarily come from God, but the testing is always from him. The testing of our faith always comes from him. Now, Let's talk about why he tests our faith. And, and to, to talk about that, let me tell you a little story about myself. Um, when uh, going through school, all through school, grades 1 through 12, then into college, I, um, I was always really good at history. I was good at English. Uh, I was okay at science if it was a lot of memorization. But math always was terrible for me. Math was always my thing that just wore my tail out. And, uh, and then when I got into ninth grade, um, they started putting letters in the middle of math problems, 
and they called that algebra. And, uh, and listen, I know that algebra, I got a brother-in-law who's an engineer, and he knows algebra, and he makes money in his life because he can do algebra. But for me, I believe that algebra was created in the pits of hell by Satan and his demons, and they said, let's just make people's lives miserable, and let's make them do these algebraic equations. And so I was terrible at algebra. Now, um, I had, in ninth grade, I had an algebra teacher uh, named Mrs. Kusa, K-O-O-S-A, Mrs. Kusa. And uh, Mrs. Kusa was a good algebra teacher, but I was a terrible algebra student. Now, when, when uh, there was a time when I took the, the first semester exam for algebra, and, uh, and when I got back after Christmas break, because uh, we had taken it right before Christmas break, Miss Kusa said to me, uh, Cliff, I want you, I'm going to let you retake your first semester exam because I think you can do better than you did. And I said, okay, what did I make? And she said, you made a 30. And uh, I said, okay, all right, I'll retake it. So I'm going to tutors, you know, I'm doing all this kind of stuff and just trying to get better at algebra. And so I go in and I retake it, and I raised my grade all the way up to a 50. I almost doubled my score, and I still had an F by 10 points or 20 points or whatever. Uh, now, Miss Kusa was a sharp teacher. She was a good teacher. And do you think that Miss Kusa had to wait until I took a test to know if I understood algebra or not. No. She could see it by the vacant expression on my face every day. She knew when she was teaching me, that kid, he don't know what he's doing in here. That, she knew that. She didn't need to give me a test to know whether or not I knew algebra. What are the tests for? Well, a good test, a good test is not so that the teacher can know if the student understands the material. A good test is there to help the students solidify their knowledge of the material. A good test, if I was a good algebra student, I understood algebra, by taking the test, when I got done, I would understand it even more because I had taken this test and I would passed this test. See, when, when, when God tests our faith, when, when he goes and, and he looks at, at our life and we've gone through trials and, and he uses those trials to test our faith, God doesn't test our faith to find out how faithful we are. God doesn't test our faith to find out how faithful we are. Now listen, if you're not going to write anything down today, I'm about to say two things. You ought to write it down because this is good stuff. I'm just telling you. It's not because I'm saying it. It's just truth and you need to write it down. And this is the first one. God doesn't test our faith to find out how faithful we are. He already knows that. God knows how faithful you are. He can look directly into your heart. He knows every attitude in your heart. He knows when you do something and you tell everybody else this is the reason you do it, and maybe you're even lying to yourself because it's, you're saying it's the reason you do it. God really knows the real reason you did it. He knows your heart. So when he, when he tests our faith, he's not doing that. God has never once tested my faith and looked down and said, well, daggum, I didn't know Cliff was that committed to me. That is a shock. Way to go, Cliff. Now I'm going to give you some more responsibility. No, he already knows. God knows how faithful we are, so he doesn't test our faith to find out how faithful we are. God tests our faith so we can find out how faithful he is. Now let me say that again. And that's good stuff. God tests our faith so we can find out how faithful he is. That's the reason the testing comes. You go through difficulty, and God uses that difficulty to test your faith, not so that at the end he can know about you. It's so that at the end, when you get through it, you can say, wow, God brought me through that. 
He never left me. I made this terrible decision with my life. Everyone else walked away from me, and they should have. But guess who stayed right beside me the whole time? And guess who? He didn't stay right beside me telling, it, telling me it was okay. He stayed right beside me telling me how wrong I was, but he brought me back with his grace, and he brought me back with his love, and he brought me back with his mercy. God tests our faith so that we can know how faithful he is. One of the um, things that I've done before with a life group that's uh, kind of interesting, and uh, it's maybe you, you can try it sometime, but um, you get a group of people, and you have, to, you have to make sure you have plenty of time to do this exercise, and you have to make sure that you, you've kind of gotten to know each other a little bit, and, and uh, you, you, know, you have to do it with a smaller group. But you get five or six people, and you hand them all Post-it note pads, and you give them two different colors of Post-it note pads, maybe a yellow and a, a blue. And you tell them you want them to write out their life story on Post-it notes and put it on the wall. So on the first Post-it note, for me, I would put, born June 19th, 1969, and put it on a wall. And then probably the next thing for me, which I don't really hardly remember this, was a little kid, moved from Dillon, South Carolina to Columbia when I was three years old. Put that on the wall. I was next kind of big thing in my life. And you, and you go through your life and you put that stuff up on there. Now you have a, a post-it notepad with a different color because anything that you went through that was difficult, you write that on a different color post-it note. So for me, you know, age 16, my grandfather dies. Put that on the wall. That was a difficult time. One of the first times I remember kind of having a difficult time in life was then. Put that on the wall. And then you go through all of that kind of, some of you, you know, you might have a post-it note for divorce. You put that on. You might have a post-it note for losing a, losing a child in, in childbirth or having, having a miscarriage. You put that on the wall. And so you go through all of that and you let everybody do that stuff and you, and you kind of let them look over their life and you let everybody talk about different things that have happened in their life. And then you tell people, okay, I want you to go pull the post-it notes off the wall of the times in your life when you were most aware of God's presence in your life and the times in your life when you know that your faith grew the most. And 99 times out of 100, most of the post-it notes that people pull off the wall where they say, this is where my faith grew the most, were the different colored ones were the times when they went through difficulty. See, our life is going to have trials. We're going to have suffering because we live in a broken, sinful world. You're going to have things that you create for your own problems, and then you're going to have things that are suffering and trials for you that you didn't create. You're going to go to the doctor one day and get a diagnosis, and, it, and you've been eating right and living right and all that kind of stuff, but it's still there. And that's because we live in a broken, sinful world. But through those times, God can use those difficulties to produce in our faith steadfastness, perseverance, so that once, so we've been through it one time, and we can look back and we say, I've made it through this, this, five years ago I made it through this. And so as you walk into the next one, you're not looking forward to it. You're not saying, wow, I can't wait for suffering. But as you walk into it, you're also not crippled by it. Because you know, God was faithful before and I believe he'll be faithful again. And he tests our faith to show us how faithful he is to us. See, this, this whole book of 2 Peter is Peter encouraging 
people like us, people who are followers of Jesus, to live a faithful life. Live a faithful life in, in spite of difficulty. And, and steadfastness, this idea of perseverance and steadfastness is so key to living the faithful life because, because the faithful life is a marathon. The faithful life is a marathon. It, it takes time. And so, so you know, it, it's, it's going to be up and down. When uh, I did uh, student ministry, did youth ministry for a long time before we started this church, and every June, about this time of the year, as a matter of fact, we would go to a camp. It's called Centrifuge Camp. And we'd go to Centrifuge every year. And we'd carry a big crowd of kids and, and adults up there to Centrifuge. And it was awesome. It was just a great week. It was, uh, those of you that have been to camp, you know how great camp is. Uh, if, if you've got kids and you have an opportunity to send them to camp, send them. Uh, because it was just so, you know, because the, what made it so good is everything for that week is focused on Jesus and focused on the gospel. So you wake up in the morning, you go to breakfast, and then you have a little get-together and singing songs, kind of like a mini-worship service is about Jesus. Then you go to Bible study, that's about Jesus. And then after Bible study, you have recreation, and, and then people act like they don't know Jesus. And then after recreation, they come back, and they feel bad about that, and they go to lunch, and then they go to afternoon classes, guess which are about what? Guess Jesus. And then you have some free time, and then you go to supper, and then after supper you have a worship service, which is about Jesus. And then you have some small group church time, which is about Jesus. And so you have this awesome week where everything, you're, you're just hearing about Jesus all the time. You're reading Scripture. You're focusing on it. And, and without fail, just about every year, we'd get towards the end of the week. We'd get toward Thursday or Friday, and I'd have one or two teenagers would come up to me, and they'd say something like this. Oh, Cliff, this is so awesome at Centrifuge. I wish we could just live here. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm ready to go home and see my wife, but y'all can live here if you want. But, but they'd say, I wish we could just live here. And I understand that. And we like, as, as believers, we like the high points in life, don't we? We like the camps. We like revival services. We like Sunday morning where Cliff says something that fires us up or Liz sings an awesome song and we kind of feel something moving around in us. Oh, I like that. We like babies being born. That's awesome. We, you know, we like weddings, that kind of stuff. But let me tell you something. The faithful life, it, it's there during weddings and it's there during divorces. The faithful life is there during, during births and it's there during funerals. The, the faithful life is, is, is all the time. And, and it's a marathon. And so if we're going to follow Jesus, that means we follow him today. And we also follow him on a boring Tuesday afternoon at work when you think you're going to pull your hair out if you've got to stay there five more minutes. It's also following him on another Saturday where you think, how come I work all week and then all weekend all I do is work at the house and I don't have time to do anything? It's there when people talk about you behind your back. It's there when you're talking about somebody behind their back. We're supposed to follow him consistently all the time, and the faithful life is a marathon, and there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be times when you do what you're supposed to do, and there's going to be times when you don't. But what we've got to do is we've got to get to the point where we realize we are following Jesus. And if we mess up, we go to him and we beg for forgiveness, and he was going to take that terrible mistake we've made, he's going to use it to produce steadfastness in our life. When we have difficulty that comes in that we had no control over, we go to him and we say, God, I can't handle this. And he's going to take that difficulty and he's going to use it to produce steadfastness in our life. 
He will use the bad things to test our faith, and we can make it through this marathon that is the Christian life. There's a, all of you have known people. Um, some of us have known the same people because we all go to this church together. But all of you have known people who will, they'll be like really committed to Jesus for a while. And they're, man, they're at church and they're volunteering and they're really into stuff and they're all excited, everything. Then all of a sudden they like disappear. You don't know what goes on. Or maybe you do know what happened, but you think, why did that, you know, they, something happens and they move to a different neighborhood and now all of a sudden their relationship with Jesus is totally different. They change jobs. Well, now, you know, I'm working this other job. And so now everything's totally different with your relationship with Jesus. And that doesn't make sense to us sometimes. And, and, but Jesus told a, a story about that in Luke chapter 8. He told a story about a guy who was going out spreading seed. And he talked about some of the seed grew up real quick. And it did well for a little while. And then it drifted away. And some of the seed grew up and then it got choked out by worries and the difficulties of life. But this is what he says in Luke 8. 15. This is what he says our goal is. As for that in the good soil, so the seed that fell in the good soil, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Guess what word is also patience? Steadfastness. That our goal is to live the Christian life, to live the marathon, and that at the very end to be found faithful. Because during the good times and the difficult times, we were still there asking God to help us to learn what we could learn. During the times when we made mistakes and when we were doing what we were supposed to do, He was still there with us, showing Himself faithful to us. I'm going to have my wife, uh, Sherry, come up here, and she's going to play on the keyboard just for a second. Um, I want you to stand up right where you are. And... um, we're going we're gonna to close in just a little bit, but this is what I want to do. As she plays, I want you to, to get ready to bow your heads in just a minute. Um, as I was preparing this message, I just was thinking, and I wasn't thinking about anybody individually. I was just thinking about you get a group of people this many together. Um, there are those of you in here that are going through suffering right now. There are some of you in here that are going through trials right now. And, and you are at a... If, if that's who you are, if that's what's going on in your life right now, you're at a very key moment in your life whether you realize it or not. Because now you are at a moment where you can begin to walk away from Jesus and walk away from faith because it's just too difficult. Or you can walk closer to Him than you ever have and allow the testing of, that, of your faith for you to come out on the other side of that as having passed the test. And understanding how faithful God is. And being stronger in your faith than you ever have been before. So Sherry's going to start playing. As she plays, I want you to bow your heads. And, uh, and, and I'm going to say a prayer for us. And then I want you, if you're dealing with something, you don't have to tell me. You just come down, kneel here at the front and pray. Maybe a couple of you need to come together. And just pray about whatever it is that God's doing right now that you need help with. And, uh, and, and pray that that you would be able to be faithful through it because you know he's going to be faithful to you. So let me pray for us. Father God, we know that um, life is tough and, and uh, I've experienced that and I know other folks in here have too. And, uh, but we're so thankful that you're faithful through all of that. 
As I pray for anyone here today as they are dealing with trials, dealing with suffering, dealing with other kinds of difficulty, that, uh, that they, would, they would know that you're faithful and they would give whatever it is they're struggling with, give it over to you and allow you to take care of it. And I ask this in Jesus' name.